Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Kelly Cardenas is an industry icon, author, international educator for John Paul Mitchell Systems, business coach, salon owner, husband, father. He attributes the success of his five namesake salons located in Las Vegas, Chicago, Carlsbad, Salt Lake City, and the Hard Rock Casino in Las Vegas to the team that has been constructed around him. Cardenas's concept of integrity-based success has conditioned his team of trend-setting stylists to reach his exponential heights as salons as well as individual beauty professionals. Cardenas's upbringing is where he draws the majority of his inspiration. Having two amazing parents who taught him discipline, hard work, humility, and most importantly that anything was possible as long as you are willing to put in the work prepared him for the uncertainty of business and life. Kelly Cardina Salon has a culture of hairdressers that deliver five-star service without the ego and supports the mission that everyone who experiences their environment should be treated like an A-list celebrity. The salon has become the industry standard for service, consistency, and up-to-the-minute technique. Public speaking has been a personal passion for Kelly Cardenas for the past 26 years. He started as a student, taking every class he could find involving public speaking. As long as he could take something away from the experience, he knew it was worthwhile. Kelly's excitement for public speaking comes from the light bulb he sees turned on in people after sharing his encouraging words, words that have the power to change someone's life. Kelly has had speaking appearances in Los Angeles, New York, Berlin, Shanghai, and many more worldwide. Cardenas refers to his relationships as his most valuable currency and has set out to leave any environment he's in better than the way he found it. Wanting to give back to the communities that have given him so much, Cardenas and his team are involved with multiple organizations including Aid for AIDS of Nevada, American Cancer Society Relay for Life, Beauty Industry Favorite, Eyes on Cancer, Showers of Blessings Haircuts for Homeless, Las Vegas Rescue Mission, and Las Vegas Boys and Girls Clubs, among others. Recently, Kelly Cardenas wrote his first book, The Six Indicators for Business and Life, serving as a roadmap to guide individuals through the necessary tools to evaluate and measure the character and integrity needed to drive the bottom line in business and excel in personal relationships. The book represents the foundation for how Kelly operates in both his personal and business arenas and is well received by all who read it. Although his journey started in the professional industry, Cardenas feels that it is simply his conduit to have the opportunity to invest in the most valuable commodity that has ever been, people. When he's not running his salons, Cardenas enjoys spending time with his wife Brooklyn, kids Makina and Maddox, and the family dog Skylar in Carlsbad, California. Oh my gosh, Kelly. So I love the fact that you said that your upbringing is what draws the majority of your inspiration. And 
That's so true because I started these podcasts, literally, Kelly, because I feel like so many of us have become, including myself, human doings and not human beings. And so this podcast series is called B Series. And I really believe the only way to become a human being is to be transformed. And many, many years ago, as you know, I stalked you at hair shows. I don't even know how many years ago it is now, but I stalked you because you were so authentic and so transparent on stage when you spoke that it, it shifted and changed something in me. And it made me realize like that's who I want to be. And that's why all these years I've stalked you. And when you come and speak to our students and our salon teams um, all over the country, especially in Florida, I know you're going to be down here in Florida with us for a Kelly Cardenas retreat. And I know it's going to be two days packed of transformational secrets because that's what you do, whether you call it that or not. But that's why I always sit in your class because I always feel like you have these nuggets, as you call it, in your book, which really kind of shifts and change mindset. And it's really about that belief system to shift and change. And what this is all about is untold stories of leadership transformation. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is because you're so larger than life, Kelly, that everyone thinks like, oh, Kelly, he doesn't have a worry in the world. And I think it's important for you to share the adversity that you've had in your life, because I know there's someone listening right now that's going through what you have gone through or what you will go through as well, because we know adversity never stops, right? Just because we think we're here, we don't think that we're gonna not be without challenges. And, and something that I know about you, Kelly, is um, that adversity itself has shaped you and gave you the opportunity to have the unique story that you've been blessed with. And I love that statement that you said, because you said, I, you name it, I've experienced it, not having the highest aptitude, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, physical abuse, living in a single and double wide mobile home, having my brother, seven years old, walk me when I was five years old, home from school every day, and watch me until he put me to bed at 9 p.m. because my parents were separated and my mom was going to school and working full time from living in a one bedroom apartment with five people to driving 40 miles each way to high school to moving every two to three years until I was 28 years old to getting let go of my dream job to being zeroed out in all accounts, credit cards, lines of credit, two and a half years into owning my own business, getting robbed five times in the five years of business, experiencing over five major walkouts to losing my mom this last year in June and four other relatives in the span of the last six months. Wow. Talk to the students right now or anyone that's listening to this about that. Well, the, <clears throat> I think the, the, the alcoholism uh, for me, I never realized that it was alcoholism until a lot later. Um, I just saw it as just, I mean, this is how we, this is what we do. This is our family. You know, our family gets together and um, some drink, you know, but there was just all, it was always based around that. The, it was always based around partying and um, it was, you know, hearing, I, I want to tell you before I even start in on that, hearing you say those things or talking about it, it just, it brings up a lot of emotion. It brings up a lot of emotion about my brother walking me to school and, uh, things like that, but going to the alcohol, I mean, the alcoholism itself, like, like I said, I never knew what it was. Um, I remember when I was in, 
I think eighth grade, uh, my mom, my mom went through, um, my mom went into rehab, you know, and, and there was a ping pong table there. I remember it. And I remember the lemonade that was, uh, that me and my brother would have. So we would get to have this lemonade that we didn't get to have at home. We'd get to play ping pong. And by the way, we would see my mom and, but we didn't really register it. And the, the, the funny thing is, is I told a story at one time about my dad. He was at a, a hair show with me and I'm cutting his hair and underneath the, the, the cape, he keeps doing this and I could see his hands moving. I wonder what he's doing. And then he moves his hands out and he had, he, it was a nervous habit and he had a, um, a napkin and he kept twisting it. Well, when he was twisting it for a second, you've had this happen, Tina, you've looked over and you thought you saw something and, and then you, you thought you saw it and then it came back to you realized, but at first glance, I looked at it and it looked like a joint. Like, and I remember that growing up. Right. And, and it, it kind of, uh, like I looked at it, I was like, oh my gosh, my dad like has a joint again. Like he's going back to his old ways. And so I told the story, like growing up when I was five, six years old, I used to go down in the basement and my dad had a hookah that had six hoses off it, but I didn't know what it was. And all I knew was that my dad spoke in the basement voice when, when I walked down in the basement and people were like, what's the basement voice? And I said, well, I'd walk down and he would be like, hey, Kelly can you go get me a glass of water? And then I would always say he would exhale big after that. And I would think, why is he doing this? Why is he holding his breath? And seventh grade comes along. I'm walking to school with one of my friends and my friend is like, and I was like, man, I smell something. And I'm like, man, that smells like my house growing up. And my friend was like, your parents were potheads. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, and he said, that's the smell of weed. That's the smell of marijuana. And I didn't know it. So I think one of the good, the best things for me growing up in those things is that my brother really protected me from them and my mother protected me from them. My dad protected me from them where they surrounded me with love. They told me that they believed in me and they gave me this uh, almost fantasy world that became my reality. And so the only, I mean, really when I started to think about alcoholism or drug abuse or physical abuse, it was only when other people started to talk about it and they said it was bad. For me, I was in this, they call them these rose colored glasses. I was constantly just thinking of like, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know anybody else's life. I didn't have to compare it to. And I'm not uh, putting my adversity against anybody else's like saying mine is worse, but I'm saying I, I grew up in adversity. So when adversity hit, it was no big deal, which I believe that God was able to use in my life later on because he knew adversity was going to hit in business and in relationships and all these things. And so people have talked about resilience. Well, I didn't have any other choice. God built me that way. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 I thank him for it, you know? Yeah, I agree. And I'm totally with you 100%. And I remember when my mom went into rehab, they actually had me go up on stage and reenact moments in my life. So I was almost like a, um, an actress in a way, um, but I was reenacting my own life. I was, I was older at the time. It was in college. And I remember that moment because, of course, that was last year, right, college? <laughs> I remember that moment. I, I'll never forget it, but it was, it was a transformative period for me. And I'm guessing that's what happened with you. Like it started then because they asked me these questions and I started to relive it. And I was almost embarrassed because I was so scared for my mom to see what I was feeling at that moment. Cause I didn't want to hurt her feelings. What advice would you give to the people that are going through it? 
I, I would say, I mean, for me, like what I was, what I learned very early is that um, you, you've heard the term monkey on your back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And my dad uh, said to me one time that, um, you know, when people are dealing with addictions, um, it's like a gorilla on their back. And so for me, I think that God was always able to separate the gorilla from my mom. So when she was going through these things, I wasn't looking at my mom as saying, oh, you're awful or you're doing these things. I knew that a gorilla was on her back, that it had control of her in that aspect. And so I was able to still love my mom and, and love on that person. But, but I think a lot of times what people do is they, they turn into despising the person as opposed to the act. And if you could separate and realize like, you know, if uh, literally like Tina, if you had a monkey on your back right now and you kept having to move certain ways because the monkey and me get mad at you, I've got to realize that I can separate those two. And I think that God was able to really work with me early on in that to be able to separate and make sure that I was love, you know, that, that there was the love, there was the honor, all those things. Most of the time there's something that's controlling that, or there's a reason behind it. And so I always look to, to understand the reason behind, and that gave me the compassion for the person itself. You know, and I, I love the fact that you said that you despise the act and not the person because talk to the person right now. And I have people in my own life right now. And I have had staff members that have really failed in their performance. And I believe it's from unforgiveness of their parents. And so talk to that person to help them to despise the act and not the person, because we got to remember our parents aren't God. They're people just like us. They're, they're failed human beings, just like all of us. They, they are not going to be perfect. And so why do so many people expect for their parents to be so perfect? And then they blame everything that happens in their life on their parents. Talk through that process, help them to understand this. Well, I think, I think one of the big things is when we do that, then that transfers on into our relationship with the Lord, right? And so, uh, you know, with your relationship with the Lord, if you realize that, that, like most people don't go to God broken, most people go to him and say, I've got all these things, God, can you just help me with this one thing? Because this is what I need help with, as opposed to going and saying, I'm, I'm broken, I'm in this place. But I think that that stems from uh, the way that we have a relationship with our parents. Like you were saying, we look at our parents as almost, they, they're supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to be God. And then, you know, we're able to just draw off of them. But I, I just truly believe that no matter where the person's at, if you focus on the great things, you'll begin to see great things in that person. And sometimes when you're a little bit too close, as far as family members, sometimes it takes someone outside. So like, you know, I've had friends who have had, you know, uh, family members that are struggling with alcohol or, or drugs or whatever it is. And when I sit with them, I, I, I control the conversation in, in that not controlling it like, hey, I'm going to hoard over you, but I'll talk to them about things that I want to talk about. We're very much a fixer culture as opposed to like what I learned with my dog is my dog for a long time stayed away from me, would never come near me. <laughs> and the when she started snuggling me is when I would walk her and not only walk her, but I'd walk behind her and then I'd pick up her poop. And once I started to pick up her poop, she came to me. See, I thought it was only when I fed her because I fed her a lot and, but she would never come to me. 
but it took me to pick up her poop for her to come to me. So I think that one of the big things that I learned early on was that, you know, a lot of people will see a sign of a homeless person and say, oh, well, I'm going to give that person some advice on how to get a job. Well, if they're hungry, you need to feed them before you give advice. Mm-hmm. So if we can get past the judgment and, and yeah. the closer and closer we get to someone, the less and less judgment we'll have. I love that you said get past the judgment. I think that's just absolutely huge. And and I want to get back to that. But I want to go back to something you said, really, I think it's going to create some transformation here, because I've always believed that you cannot leave your soul at home. And I've always believed that we cannot be just professional only individuals. And I see that happen 20 years in business. Let's go back to that because I believe the definition of leadership is transformed people, transform people. And I believe your spiritual aspect is what has helped you to transform Kelly and to continue to create this following of people, um, and especially me, that I stalk you. And I believe it's a lot of it's spirituality. Talk through that process, why it's so important to um, to not ignore that part of your life. Well, I think it's, I mean, you said it the best. I mean, it's like four legs of a table, right? So you got your personal, your professional, your financial, and your spiritual. If you have four legs of a table, yeah? If I take out the financials, the table is going to fall. Um, what, I, mm-hmm. what I ask people, and this is what I ask my staff because I've gone through this before, um, you know, as I ask them, I say, okay, what's your name? So if I ask you, what's your name? What's your name? Tina. Okay. So is there any time that you would be um, bashful about that question and answering that question? No. Okay. Would there ever be a time, would there ever be a time (laughs) where I walked in and said, Hey, Tina, what's your, or what's your name? And you said, "Mm, I don't really know today. I don't know. I don't want to offend you, Mm -hmm. you know, but my name is Tina. Like, I don't know if I should tell you. And I ask you why and you say, because I don't want to offend you because I don't know what you believe. Mm. You know that your name Mm -hmm. is Tina. And I believe that it's not so much people getting in touch with the spiritual side, uh, side of it. I just believe that if you talk about what you truly believe in, everything will be okay. But people are okay as long as you are like, you're a hundred percent and you're believing it. Like people have said that to me, I just was with Gene and Dean, uh, Gene Braun uh, Foster and uh, Dean Foster. And we sat down and he was like, man, I was at Caper last year and I was blown away because you said Jesus. And I was like, I was looking at him and I was like, I wasn't blown away because it's what I believe. I'm not trying to tell people, hey, you need to believe in Jesus, but I'm just saying I do. So I don't have any problem talking about it, but not talking about it in a, like a setup, like, okay, now I'm going to switch into my spiritual side. It's just become a part of me. And let me tell you how God uh, told me to do this. I was on a pier fishing, right? And uh, so I took the, the squid, right? You better write this down, Tina, because you're going to steal it. Uh, so uh, the squid, right? Piece of squid. It was like this, this little guy. And I took my hook and I hooked the squid, right? So you hook the squid and I did it and I threw it out. And I did this like three times. And every time I'd come back, my bait would be gone. I would feel a hit, but the bait would be gone. What God told me, he stopped me. And I was on the pier in Ocean Beach. He stopped me and he said, hey, the reason why you're getting these hits and you're not getting a fish is because there's so much of the bait that does not have the hook in it. Mm. He said, so thread the hook through every aspect of that squid. So wherever that fish bites, it's going to get the hook. 
And what he told me is he said, I want to be that same way in your life. Is there, and he asked me, is there any place in your life that when people hit you, that they're not mm -hmm. getting me? And if there is, if there is, then I want to infuse myself in that. You see, I can't separate myself from my belief in Jesus. Like there's no way it's too far ingrained. It's like, um, you know, if you, if you take and if you were to get like a blood transfusion, it's not like you can separate a little bit like the blood in my shoulder uh, is, you know, this kind of blood and the blood over here is this kind of blood. No, once it goes in, it's everywhere. Just go all in. You go 100, you're going to get great results. Yeah. How do you do that, Kelly? Like walk through the day in the life of Kelly. How do you write in your journal? Like give us some good habits. Well, I'll, I'll give you, I mean, I, I, I committed that I would only write when I was, um, when I was passionate. Like, and when I was passionate, it meant that I was, I was being pushed through something that was larger than my own desire. I think God is very patient. And I think that that's when God could just be mm -hmm. like, yo, go ahead, do your thing. And I'll be over here with all the answers when you're ready. <laughs> you know, I was in church the other day. I've never told this story before, but um, I was in church with my son and uh, he didn't go to children's church. He went to, um, to a big church with me and we were standing there and he stood up and I wanted to raise my hands. I, wanted, I was, you know, I want to raise my hands when I'm, when I'm worshiping and I went to raise my hands, but my son was in front. So I hooked his thumbs and his, or his hands with my thumbs and I lifted up my hands. And as I lifted up my hands, my hands only came to my waist. And I kept thinking, man, I could outstretch and I could really praise God a lot more. So what I did is I took my son, I put him on my shoulders, and then I was able to raise my hands. And unless you climb on God's shoulders, God can't raise his hands and bring the glory into your life that he would otherwise have. He can have you standing on the ground like most of us are. And God will only be able to go to his waist, which is not as much as he could bless you. And so that was the thing that, you know, when I was writing as far as journal wise, it was big one. I, I'll share one with you. I just got today. Yeah. This one's, this one's actually on a brown paper bag. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so um, what I, I want to guide you because the, one of the books that will come out is I'm actually going to publish, publish my first journal uh, that uh, when I was, when I had just, it started when I just got the job with the Robert Cromie Salon. It was in 1996 in December. And it takes you through my assistant program. And I'm writing every day to three days of what I'm going through, making $200 a week uh, you know, in San Diego, living away from my family and going through all these challenges. But I, I, wrote, I, I journaled it. Um, but mm. when I do that, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna publish it in my own handwriting, and there's gonna be no editing. So all the mess ups are gonna be in there, all this stuff. And what I want to show you is there's an asterisk. If you see like right there, see that asterisk? Mm -hmm. And then there's an asterisk on the end. That signifies that God was talking to me. So that mm -hmm. signifies that God started talking to me and I just started writing without him, uh, without actually understanding what I wrote. So this is the first time that I get to read this. I haven't read this today, but I wrote it today. So, uh, this is what God said to me this morning. Um, Stop working to learn. This is the time to earn. Cut away everything in your life that doesn't directly impact your family stop chasing. Allow me to bring it to you. There is no need to figure it out. Uh, the vision that you have, is it of me? Did I give it to you? Check it with me and I will confirm it. I alone will bring increase, son. Rest in my peace. The joy of me is your strength. The jo uh, joy will come when you are peaceful. Give this to me, son, and quit wrestling with me. It's just wearing you out. I love you, son. 
and my purpose is much greater than you could ever imagine. Bigger is not always better. Let your salt be salty. Stay close to me and I will carry you. There's times where I sit down, I'm like, look, Tina, I'm going to hammer the Bible today. I'm going to read, I'm going to feed, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I start reading it intellectually and then I get done and God's almost like, why'd you even do that? And then I'll put on the spirit. I'll, I'll ask the Holy Spirit to be there with me. And I tell you, like when I talk about nuggets, I mean, stuff is jumping off the page and then he's relating it to my life. And when we look at it, I believe that if you really truly want to transform people and help people, it'll be through your own personal story. It won't be through the application of principles because those principles are all there. I mean, they're all the same. Like seriously, they're all the same. If you want to read one book and, and only have to read one book, I mean, you literally could read the Bible. But if you look at Think and Grow Rich, think of those principles, then read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then read Grant Cordone, and then read, you know, all these, it's, those principles are all the same. And they came from a book that was 2000 years ago that was really hard to translate. Um, when you flip on a light switch, yeah, there's three things that happen. One, there's power from the power plant that comes to your house. Mm -hmm. Number two, the physical part of the switch. And then the actual turning on of the light, the, the energy going to the light and the light turning on. Mm -hmm. So it was told to me that the power plant was God. The physical part was Jesus because he came to earth and the Holy Spirit was that thing that you didn't see that you knew that was happening, which was the light turning on. And so for me in those aspects without, if you flip the switch, you did the physical part, but you didn't see the light turn on, you'd be like, what? Or if you flip the switch, but the power plant wasn't connected to the switch, it's not going to work. So to have all three connected, it, it, it really brings power. You know, it really brings power to us. And, you know, um, it's just like uh, if, if you've experienced death, which I have a lot in the last six months. I mean, this is, in the last six months, this has been nuts. But I realized I actually didn't have to go and look at my mom, my mom's body when she died. I was completely okay with not seeing her and it being a, um, uh, you know, going into cremation because I knew that my mom's body was just a physical conduit for her spirit to be able to reach people. What kind of transformation has happened within you through that process, Kelly? Um, I think, I mean, uh, it's, I think it's cliche-ish as far as the time that you realize that the time is there, um, the, the time and the connection. Um, but I think uh, even, even today, I mean, you know, going, uh, like sitting down and when God gave me this, uh, what I shared with you today, um, I believe that um, it really started to help me to get um, really, really get connected with the core. And my, my mom would always just, she always called me my Kelly. She would be like my Kelly. Mm -hmm. And, and she would tell me that, um, people weren't coming because of the haircut that they got or the color that they were coming. Um, they were coming to be filled up. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think in times, uh, we, you know, when we get around certain things, we get around certain performances, um, and we start to perform at a certain level, then we start to think like, oh, wow, that's the people recognize me because of that. And I think what my mom has really impressed on me, and especially since, since she passed away, was that um, she just, just be my Kelly, like just be my Kelly, just, mm -hmm. just allow yourself um, to be in that spot um, where you're bringing joy to people. And the only way that you could bring joy is if you have joy in your heart and you're peaceful. Um, 
you're never going to really sell anything if you're focused on the sale. <laughs> you're going to sell something if you're focused on the people and, you know, and really, really being able to connect. And so I, I think that that's been a, a huge, a huge aspect. Cause I've heard a lot of people, Tina, over the years, you know, I've pressed them through performance. Um, I, I, I struggled, you know, with, with empathy. Um, the reason why is because God gifted me with a lot of great things. Like, you know, he gifted me with, with adversity so I could, you know, I could push through things. Um, so when I came up against someone who folded the first, at the first adversity, I didn't have a lot of empathy for him. I had sympathy like, man, I, I you know, I want to help you out, but I didn't have empathy. I wasn't sitting inside of it. And also too, like, um, uh, you know, I think that going through this stuff is I I've, you know, connected with a lot of people with depression, anxiety and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, about going dark. Like I've always had the lights on and you know, all this stuff, but in these last six months, I've experienced mm -hmm. those things, you know, and I think that God's taken me through those things so I could talk about it. Like I could talk about it and I can connect with that person as opposed to being like, you know, I can connect with everything except that thing. And so, um, you know, I think JP said it uh, the best and, you know, everything's going to turn out okay. And if it's, mm. you know, turn out okay in the end, and if it's not mm -hmm. okay, it's not the end, you know? Right. And I think that's the, the biggest part in being able to get back to that place where literally like this weekend, my main focus, Tina, is obviously I want to hit your objectives. I want to be able to hit all that stuff. My main objective is having a really great time with the kids that I get to spend time with and realize that some of them I'll never see again. Right. And, and it's so crazy. You said then, and I love that your mom said that B Kelly, because um, she said that they come to you to be filled up. And I 100% agree with that because being around you, I feel so filled up and I have like so many uh, new things in my life that I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks through me, through you. And it's like, yes, that's exactly what I needed to know. So you're almost like a business pastor for me. <laughs> and, uh, and I love that. And it's so true because our students that come to this and hairstyles, we have many hairstylists coming that from salons uh, from a couple different states. And they'll always tell me the favorite thing that they did that year was having the Kelly Cardenas retreat. And, and like you said, yeah, they're going to learn some really cool tricks and trades of tech, technical things they can do in the salon. But more important, I feel like they're going to get really filled up and feel like somebody really cares about them. And that's what I feel like you bring to the table, Kelly. And, and I think you hit on something really big and, and you mentioned it earlier. And I want to get back to that okay. is, is the fact, and I love this quote, and I know it came from your beautiful wife, Brooklyn, because you gave kudos to her. Uh, last time you were at Michigan, you did a retreat. And uh, my daughter and I, Brianna, who are business partners, we have been talking about this as of late, um, because we had a, a staff member quit um, our business after two months in, and just outright quit, right? And she ended up, she said, oh my gosh, people don't hear what you say, they hear where they're at. That was so powerful. Where did that come from with Brooklyn? And talk a little bit more about that. How has that transformed your life and your business life? Um, well, I mean, you, you speak publicly, Tina, and you're one of the best at it. And, you know, and I think that you're one of the best at it because you truly connect with people. Like you, I've never seen you talk about anything that you don't do. Like, 
the, the amount of time that we've spent together, when you talk about, oh, you should have these pillars of, you know, financial and personal and spiritual and uh, professional, I look at you and you have all of them. Not to say that you're in a perfect spot, but you have a great relationship with your husband. You communicate with your daughter. You communicate with your son. You know, it's not that the things have been perfect, but I watch you and you just do it from that, that aspect, right? And so when I watch you from stage, like I'm taking notes and I'm writing down and stuff like that. I, so I don't know if you've experienced this before, but I experienced it. This is what she told me after Caper last year. And Caper last year, for me, I literally asked God, like, I want to get out of the way and I want you to push through. Now, I'm not saying that was just God because God's a lot better than me. He would have delivered a lot better than me. But I'm saying, like, I had no qualms about what was being said because I knew that God was going to deliver it. What, what, when I got off stage and, you know, you know how it is, you're kind of high, all this stuff. And I was high and, and I had people come up to me and they were like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This changed my life. And I was like, cool. What did you take? And I would say 97% of the people who told me a comment told me stuff that I didn't even say. Yeah. I knew what mm -hmm. I said. And not only like, cause sometimes people will paraphrase what you say. You've probably had this happen. They'll oh, paraphrase yeah. it. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I'm talking 97% of the audience that came off told me things that was a different subject than I had spoke about. And I was, and I was pissed. I, I mean, as a human being, I'm thinking, well, you didn't listen. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. you're, you're, uh, you're uh, inspired, <laughs> but you didn't listen to me. You didn't get nothing. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, you, I, I had, uh, what, I had three points last year, right? Just three, like, hands up, hands on your head, hands behind your back. Give me one of them. What changed your life? And, the, you know, I had people be like, uh, you just told me that, you know, whatever I need to do, I need to go and uh, be me. And I was like, that's not what I said at all. But mm. my, and I, so I went into this almost like down state and I was talking to my wife because she's, she's, you know, she is my, my person. And I was talking to my wife and I was like, uh, and she's like, why are you down? We're at Disneyland. You just did this thing. And people were cheering. I was like, because most of the people told me stuff that I didn't even say. And she, and she just said that quickly. And then she went back mm. to, uh, you know, doing Disneyland with the kids. Wow. And I, it made so much sense to me. And now I don't go in. I just spoke yesterday, right? And I just spoke yesterday with DL Master Barber and I got to open up for him. And I went in and I uh, prepped the audience on how to be a good audience with, uh, what was it? Four, four things. Um, mm -hmm. One, uh, write this down, write analog, right? So have a journal, okay? Have a journal and a pen. Stop taking pictures and videos because it doesn't uh, expand your brain. Do this, write, okay? Second thing. Lean into one side or the other, put all your weight on one side or the other, and then put your elbow on that, uh, on that leg. So if I'm leaning to the right, I want to put my elbow on the right and lean into the speaker. Third thing, tilt your head towards, the, uh, towards your heart and shake, mm. at, shake at one second per shake. And then two things while you're doing that. Every now and again, say, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then occasionally whisper, occasionally whisper, I never thought about it that way. Mm. And then the last thing is, is you look up to the left, because your heart is on your left-hand side, look up towards the sky at the left, and then shake your head 
and kind of widen your eyes. So watch this. So I lean in. So uh, I'm leaning into you as a speaker, right? So I'm leaning in, right? I'm leaning in. I'm tilting my head slightly. And as you're talking, Tina, I'm just shaking. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. And then I do this one. This one really gets speakers to draw out. Watch this. If you, if you do that, if you do that as an audience, the speaker will come alive. They will pour out mm. every single thing in them. They will be a deflated yeah. balloon when they leave and they will give you every single thing inside of them. So when I did that, um, I went in and I didn't care, like, not that I don't care because I care about people. I did not care if when I asked people afterwards, what'd you get? And they were like, oh, wow, you told me to go after my dreams. I didn't care. I delivered a message, right? And I didn't, I, like, when you deliver that message, you connect with the people. Sometimes people are going to take it different because of where they're at. And now I don't have that preconceived notion. And I also don't have that expectation that people are taking away where I'm at. They're taking away where they're at. Let's talk a little bit more about this because you hit on something really, really hard. And, and so people don't hear what you say. They hear where they're at. And this is what I hear from salon owners. Of course, you know, we started Next Level Salon Leadership. So I coach salon owners and I keep hearing over and over and over <laughs> that they just don't listen to me, right? I tell them so many times how to build a clientele, but they just don't listen to me. And, and I was just coaching a salon owner on this and I said, I said, listen, people can never, ever outperform their own identity. And, and so your job as a, as a, you're a coach now, you're a coach, you're a therapist, you're a counselor, you're not like, just get rid of the, the name business owner, okay? Because now it's, it's, it's about your people. It's growing your people. That's a true business, right? And so looking at your people and, and so thinking, okay, what is preventing them from being attractive? And I don't mean that, you know, attractive and good looks at all, okay? I mean, you said it best. Your mom said, be my Kelly. People come to you to be filled up. You were attractive. Like, you've been working on your human beingness, not your human doingness your entire life. You probably didn't even realize you were doing that because you've been transforming since you were five years old, being walked by your brother, right? The adversity that you went through, you embraced it. So talk a little bit more about that. Let's talk to the salon owner, the business owner right now that's really struggling with their team performing. Well, I think, I think about it like this, like my, my pop, uh, one time <laughs> uh, said he got a, he got a job, uh, working in Memphis, Tennessee, and they hired in a new guy, new guy comes in, he's right out of college and he's never had a job before. And he sits down with my pop, my pops across the desk from him. And the guy is probably 30 years old, right? 30, 32 years old. Well, mind you at this time, my dad has been in his industry for over 20, right? 20, 25 years in the business. So he's been in the business almost as long as this kid's been alive. Kid sits down at his desk, big, you know, degrees, all the stuff, sits back with my pop. And he's like, uh, you know, how many languages do you speak, Tom? And because that's my dad's name. And he's like, how many languages do you speak? And um, my, my dad said, uh, you know, and he looked up at the sky, kind of like that body language, right? He was kind of like, he acted like he was counting. And then he was like, <laughs> I don't know, probably 65 or 70. And the kid got really, really crazy with him and was like, what? 65 or 70? what languages do you speak? And my dad was like, I speak blue collar. I speak white collar. I speak, uh, you know, minimum wage. Mm -hmm. I speak $50,000 a year. Do you want me to continue? 
And I think that salon owners, what happens is, is there's three things in, in uh, communication. One is a sender, two is a receiver, number three is results. If you're not getting results, then you don't check the receiver, you check who's sending it. And a lot of times salon owners, and I wanna speak directly to you, a lot of times salon owners, you're saying the exact right thing, but you're speaking Chinese to people who speak Spanish. And so to, to help you to understand, a kid who makes minimum wage speaks a different language than a kid who makes twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year speaks different than a fifty thousand dollar a year speaks different than a hundred. I'm having to. I mean, this is crazy, Tina. I'm having to learn to speak. I have a girl in our company. Her name is Eli Winters. Eli Winters, twenty four years old. Before the year hit uh, ended, she did a ten thousand four hundred dollar week on just haircuts and colors. $10,470, which some people can look at that number and be like, whoa, what is she, you know, but she did 47 guests at $222 a piece. So as I grow and as my kids grow, I have to speak a different language. This kid just went on a three-week vacation by herself to Thailand as a hairdresser three weeks because A, she wanted to. B, she has the money to be able to do it. C, she has the pre-booking to be able to do it. And, you know, like when we look at those kind of things, I'm having to now speak the language of a kid that says, you know, and you know what she said in this year, the 25, uh, uh, being 25, she said, my goal is to make sure that I hit over $250,000 in service that I bring into the salon this year. I've got to speak a different language to that kid. Right. She also told me after she did the 10,000, she told me, I'm going to be the first person in the company that hits 20 grand in one week. Wow. And you know what she did? She became one of the most successful hairdressers in the place. And she was, that's what she wanted to do. So I think it's more about figuring out what your staff wants and then cater to their wants as opposed to them catering to yours mm -hmm. of what you want them to be. That's what I would yeah. say. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. You don't have and, to fix and change your people, just fix and change yourself. <laughs> well, you're, I think you're the best example of this, Tina. I mean, when you look at, like, I look at your company and I look at, you talk about all these people that are mentors. I believe that you are the, the best magician in the, in, the, in the business world and in the world today, because you talk about all these people and I've watched you for years. You talk about all these people being your mentors, things like that, but you're mentoring us. Like, we're watching you and you are the most gracious. And I, I tell you, I wish I could say, oh, Tina's got some technique. It's just who you are, but who you are brings the best out in every, I've never seen a person not perform at their best when they're with you. How'd you learn how to do that? <laughs> Honestly, let, Kelly, let thank, you for saying that. <laughs> thank you for saying that. And, and honestly, I believe it, it came from my own transformation as well, you know, from my own adversity in my life and, and God, you know, taking me through a trend, he, he added so much value to me and I still, I still seek him for that value. And he spoke to me some day, one day and just said, I want you to add value to people. And my biggest gift I believe that God has given me is encouragement and helping people to see their potential in their life. And so every person that walks into my life, um, I've just, I see, I see this different person than who they are right now. And so I just, that's all I want to do. I just want to draw the gold of people like 
once you taste significance, <laughs> truly success never satisfies. I don't care how much money I make. I don't, I don't care if, if it's all taken away tomorrow. I will be out on the street. I told my husband, I love him so much that I, I don't care if we go bankrupt. I will follow him to the ends of the world and be homeless with him because I love him that much and I have so much fun with him and I know we will still add value to people. Okay, so what advice can you give to every business owner out there? I don't care what business you're in. Well, I think one of the things is uh, be okay with it not being perfect. Implement imperfect plans <laughs> and allow them to you know, perfect themselves as you go. And that's been a big thing. And I think that that's where I failed. Like I failed a huge amount in these last, probably a year or two is because I, I honestly, I've waited to like, you know, as our companies got bigger and you can imagine, we started with four people. So we were super nimble. We had an idea, we did it. And then we screwed up, we wrote it down, we made a system and we went on. But the challenge that we have right now is we have like 70 people in our company. So, you know, I've got an idea and people are like, oh, wow, well, we need to roll out this and roll out that and do this and do that. And I'm like, now I'm not saying not have process and procedure and have checks and balances, but be okay with things not being perfect. Um, what God gave to me, I was on the way home after getting robbed, which every one of my walkouts, before I get into the rob part, every one of my walkouts was at least a half a million dollars. The bare minimum. Some were in upwards of 750 to 800,000. So do the math on that, right? Do the math. I mean, we're talking like if you just did 500,000, five walkouts is 2.5 million. So I've, I've screwed up. I, I think I've screwed up more than, than most people have, have, have done. And like, even if I look at, I have more people that have quit my, like have left my company that actually are, that are still in it, which is not a bragging point, but I'll tell you this, like on that walk or in the, one of the uh, break-ins, it was like the fifth one, I think in the five years, major break-in, they smashed my window. And you know what they did? They took my coffee maker, not the TV, not all the products, <laughs> not the money in the drawer. Mm -hmm. They took the coffee maker but smashed my window. Mm -hmm. So I was driving home and I was speeding because it was like three in the, or four in the morning because I had, had to go at one in the morning and whatever. So I'm speeding and I get pulled over and I'm thinking, well, the cop is going to be okay because I'm going to tell him, look, officer, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm on the way home from my business getting robbed and whatever. Well, I didn't realize that I lived in Vegas and I looked the way that I do and I'm driving a car that a guy that looks like me shouldn't be driving, <laughs> right? <laughs> so when I get pulled over, it looks like I'm coming home from the club. I'm probably got a business that is, you know, a cash business because, you know, the way that the car is looking, all the stuff. And he pulls me over. I tell him and he's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And hands me the ticket. And I remember thinking, man, what a driver. And then God said, you have a business which gives you the opportunity to get robbed. I can't guarantee that you're going to get exactly what you want. I can guarantee our adversity. And if you learn from that adversity and you have a smile like Tina Black and say, oh, Kelly, what's new with you? And I say, oh, not much. I'm doing this and doing that. What's new with you? And Tina Black looks at me uh, driving with a big cheesy grin and says, oh, by the way, I got cancer. Ha ha ha. I'm so excited because I get to meet the doctor and I get to have a whole new ministry. <laughs> like if you put yourself in that type of mindset, you will succeed in all that you do. Mm. If you put yourself in the mindset of like looking at everyone else and comparing yourself to everyone else, be okay with it not being perfect. Be okay with you screwing up. Be okay that the fact that you're going to make a lot of mistakes. There's some people you're going to hurt. Don't do it intentionally. Um, but honestly, like 
get up. Like every time, get up. And don't just get up because you have to. Like God gave this to me today. I, I, I was a little bit down, even before I got on the podcast. And so you were talking about dark times, stuff like that. I've just been going through some stuff. And what he told me, he said, my, uh, like your strength is in my joy. And my mom gave me three things, three things. And this is what I give to every business owner. Number one, praise him in all things. Praise unlocks blessing. And that God's in the midst of the praise of his people. So when you go through adversity, truly praise him. And that will unlock the blessing that God's going to bring to you because you never know why he got you robbed. You never know why he had to walk out. You never had to know why he had did all these things. But he's got a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. And if you praise him, you'll unlock that blessing. And if you don't praise him, he's very patient and he'll keep his hands at his waist for you. I love it. It does. Praise does unlock blessing. And, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, we just found out my daughter, Brianna, who's pregnant, she's uh, due, uh, the baby's breech. And so they're going, they actually scheduled a C-section. And so of course, in her head, my head, we had, I had studied for like two full days, how to uh, be her doula. Yeah. There's a thing called a doula to help her with, you know, her pregnancy. And, uh, but as soon as I, I found out, I knew that God had a plan and all of it. And maybe the plan is to turn the baby around. It's a 10% chance, right? It could be that miracle, or it could be the miracle of, no, I'm protecting you from a bad childbirth. So I'm going to have this baby by C-section. If you're living, you will have adversity. <laughs> and so, and I love what you said too, Kelly, a long time ago, and it stuck with me, everything you, you do fill me up, um, is get to versus have to. And so I get to have these challenges, right? Because I'm, I'm living, right? I don't have to anything. It's just a choice. It's a mindset. It's a belief system. And as we end this, like, like, where do you see yourself in the next year, five years, 10 years? Can I tell you something that God just gave me right now? And he's not impressing it on, uh, for, for you guys as listeners, but for me, but I want you guys, I, I want to ask for every single person that is listening. I want you to pray. I, I, I need your prayer. I need your prayer that I would be in obedience to God. And there was a time in my life where every time there was an altar call, I was at the front of the altar call and I was there. As I've gone along, I have not answered those altar calls as much. I need to answer those altar calls. Um, allow yourself to be prayed for. I'm going to ask every one of you to pray for me. Whatever God puts on your heart that you would pray for me about, then pray for me about. Um, and I, I ask that and I want to stand in that because I believe that that's been the, the number one thing and the reason why I've been able to experience the things that I have is because God prepared me with prayer. Every, anywhere from being in the smallest church to being in a larger church to just being with people that just friends of mine, but I'm going to ask every single one of you, whatever God puts on your heart, please pray for me in that manner. Um, so it's going to go in stages. The, uh, the first one, I believe the first one we've already kind of, um, like I, I, I was in New Jersey and I realized it and I didn't even, I didn't even know it was happening until it happened. Like God will give you a desire and then bang, you're in a place and he shows you. So he gave me a vision that first I was going to speak in a, in a theater um, like uh, speak to people in a theater. And in uh, New Jersey, I was actually in a theater. And I remember saying that. And then Sabrina, who works with me, she said, Kelly, it's the first one that you talked about. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, you told me, you told me it was going to be a theater. So he told me he, I was going to do a theater. Uh, then I was going to do like a, a house of blues uh, kind of uh, scenario, probably uh, three to 5,000 people um, that were sold out that way. 
um, from that point, we were going to go to the, um, like the MGM Grand Garden Arena, um, which would be about uh, anywhere from 10 to 13,000. Um, <clears> we then would, uh, the, I then would go and speak at like a Madison Square Garden, which is 17 to 19,000. And then it would culminate in uh, selling out Soldier Field, which would be 70 to 100,000 people that I'd be speaking to. Um, so uh, I need your prayers. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, I need your prayers it's in those happen. things. Yes. And I tell you, as, I, as I'm telling you now, I've got, you know, I've got goosebumps on me because mm. I saw, I saw uh, our friend, Tim Story, one of the best speakers I've ever seen. Um, I saw him with a picture of him from the behind him and he was at the, uh, the uh, Mandalay Bay and he was speaking at the 10X conference and it was from behind him and it was a sold out arena. And when I saw it, I was, A, I was happy for him. I wasn't wanting what he had, any of those things, but God told me that's what it is. That's, gonna, that's, that's what it's gonna be. Um, now, I need prayer because I need to know what I'm gonna be talking about when I'm doing it. Um, I have a vision that I'd like to do some sort of comedy and, um, but I believe that God's going to do it and, um, we're going to, you know, that's going to make it happen. So that's my big, hairy, audacious goal. How can people find you, uh, to book you? Because I, I love all the classes that you do for salon owners. Uh, you do classes for hairstylists. How can they find you to sign up for those classes? Uh, kellycardenas.com is uh is the is my website so that's my uh, my speaking website we have the salon mm -hmm. one too um but i would go kellycardenas.com mm -hmm. um you can always find me on facebook under kelly cardenas you could find me on uh on instagram and i have to explain this one because it's the real kelly cardenas and not because i think i'm the man but because a latin female singer got my name before i did <laughs> so i put the real and all my buddies who i still hang out with since i was in fourth grade all of them are like who do you think you are talking about the real? You're just some knucklehead kid that we know. And I'm like, I am that knucklehead kid, but I had to put the real in front of it because I was only the my real kid. knucklehead. <laughs> I love it. And I tell you, I think one of the best trainings that my staff members have gone to is the day in the life of a Kelly Cardina salon. And, and, and honestly, I love what you've created in your salons because you've created all of these Kelly Cardenases in your salon. And so I love, I love your logo. It's your hair and it's not your face because any person in your business could put their face in it. And I love it because it's true. Every time I've been to any of your salons, you get the same exact service, right? And that's what I'm reaching for with my salons is making sure that everybody gets that same extraordinary service. And I am a salon um, stalker, okay? All over the country, I get my hair done at salons. And I can tell you right now, listening to this, I will tell you, and it's not because you're on this call and I tell everybody this, my whole salon team knows this, I have never had as great of an experience, literal experience from the wash house to the blow dry, because I usually just get wash house blow dry treatments as I have had. I feel like I've walked into a spa and I've gotten this massage that's all out of this world. Like you just got to go to a Kelly Cardina salon and experience this massage. Every hairdresser needs to go because why can't every hairdresser in the country do that type of service? But you know, you don't know until you go and you're aware and you experience that. Right. And so I tell you, Kelly, you have created something unbelievable that every 
salon can learn from. So thank you for that because I know that you're affecting and changing a lot of salon owners' lives. And I love the fact that you don't worry about competition ever. You just stay in your lane and you, you add value to next door salons next to you, like a mile down. I learned that from you. I've been doing that as well. And I tell you, you never, ever, ever um, lose when you add value to people. And so thank you for being so adding value to people. And thank you for being on this podcast. Any last words of wisdom as we close this out, Kelly? <laughs> well, another part, another part of the audacious goal, I want to, I need to put it out there because yes. I, 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 I want to be the commencement speaker uh, at, uh, at colleges. And so, yes. and two, two namely, number one is I want to speak at Harvard. And number two, I want to speak at Stanford. The reason why is because I didn't go to either one of them and I didn't go to college. Um, yeah. So I know that this is going to start off with me doing uh, uh, elementary school graduations, uh, middle school, high school, uh, you know, junior college, and then on. But I'm telling you, for me, I'm down with all of those things because I believe that it's going to culminate and I, I want to be, uh, I, I want to be speaking at those, uh, you know, at those commencement speeches, which would be amazing. But I think if you, again, if you are listening, please, please, please. Um, I, I generally, I've never asked for this on anything, but I need your prayers. I need your prayers as much as possible. And also to um, be okay, like be okay with whoever you are right now whatever you're going through right now, um, don't beat on yourself because you're not working out. Don't beat on yourself because you maybe have a little bit more weight on yourself. Don't beat on yourself because of anything. Be okay with wherever you are right now. And that's the greatest thing that my parents ever gave me was they never expected me to be my brother. They never expected me to be my, uh, you know, my, my middle brother, my older brother, because one's a lawyer, one's a doctor. They only expected me to be Kelly. And I love you, mama. I, I, I love you, mom. And I'll just be Kelly. Thank you, Kelly, so much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.